motivator, influencer, activist, creative. Damian Thaddeus Jones went from finishing last in his high school class to becoming one of America's most influential voices. This is his journey. Who is Dame Thad? Dame Thad is a competitor. More importantly, a Christian. A servant, a leader, a fighter. Someone who is obsessed with achieving greatness. And for me, the definition of greatness was given to us in the Bible, in Matthew 23, 23rd chapter, 11 verse, that said, he that is greatest among you will be your servant. And so I take that and, and I try to live my life each and every day in serving others, and helping others, and inspiring and empowering others to live their best lives. And where does that come from? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and where you're from and kind of what shaped you to be who you are now? Um, I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, a, a wonderful town, capital city of, of Mississippi. I have a beautiful family. I'm the youngest of three brothers, three boys. Uh, my mother and father have been married for 36 years. So it's been mm. a blessing to watch their love grow and blossom. Uh, over the years, but they gave me hardworking values. Uh, we weren't a rich family. We we were not in the top two percent uh, by any by any means, but we had what we needed. Uh, we had enough. We had love. Uh, my brothers and I had encouragement. We had inspiration. Um, and I think for young people, for children, that's all you need, uh, because every family won't have a million dollars, um, but you will always remember the good times, the loving times, the memories that you have with your family, and that will help drive you uh, to uh, be the best person. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some days I remember wearing hand-me-downs, you know, being the youngest, you know, I had to probably steal my brother's clothes and, and get the hottest gear and I want to wear it, and you know, and so those those things happen in every family, and you, but it also helps you appreciate and cherish the things that you have. Um, but even my grandparents, let me talk about my, my, my grandparents. My grandparents were sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was born in a city called Pocahontas, Mississippi in 1957 and to, to a sharecropping family. And so thinking of that, coming from that type of background, um, my other grandmother is uh, a hustler, many small businesses uh, throughout this country. Uh, black businesses trying to make ends meet and to achieve the American dream. So that's where you get it from. In, in a very entrepreneurial way. So being shaped by those experiences um, have really helped me to become who I try to be each and every day. Um, and that's creating different streams of revenue that's chasing every dream that I have in a very rational way um, and living life with no limits. So you said your mom your dad, three brothers. Mm -hmm. So your mom is in a house with all men. Yep. Tell us a little bit about yep. her and, uh, and, and, and how she is. Uh, mom is incredible. Mom is incredible. I mean, listen, it's, it's as you just uh, mentioned, 
it is a tall feat to live in a home with with four strong-minded men and to be able to hold your own and not hold not hold your own but be probably the strongest person in the home and to be the backbone mm -hmm. of the home and so when you talk about leadership when you talk about strength when you talk about vision when you talk about courage and resilience uh, you can look at my mother um, and so that is a testimony within within itself and so mom, mom is incredible mom has been helping and serving inspiring people since since as a kid we were in boy scouts she was the cub master leading that group um, and touched so many young men and women in an in underprivileged neighborhood that we, that we came up in. Um, Mom has spent time with underprivileged uh, teenagers who have gone through uh, tough times in their, in their life. And now she turned that passion into a great organization, Butterflies by Grace Defined by Faith, which uh, works with uh, victims of domestic violence. And we know that is an issue that is plaguing our country. Mm -hmm. 85% of women have, have dealt with physical violence, emotional violence, uh, abuse, and some uh, mental abuse in some type of way in their life at least one time. And so that is an epidemic that needs to be uh, really talked about and touched on and, and there needs to be healing. And so I'm, I'm really, really impressed and really, really inspired in the work that she and her team uh, continue to do. But, you know, people say that I do a lot. Man, you gotta meet my mom. I mean, she is running from A to B, from, from, from Z to double A, um, just waking up early in the morning to help people. So uh, that's exactly where I, I get that bug from. Right. And so you've definitely been bit by the bug. So tell us a little bit about your work and what it is that you do. Um, I, I like to call myself an influencer. Mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant to, to embrace that term until maybe late last year. Because I'm like, what, what, I mean, what am I influencing? But when you look at the totality of the work and, and how you've been able to touch people, you have to just embrace it and it is what it is. And so our work is about inspiring people to have no fear. Our work is about inspiring people to, to have no limits on their lives and their dreams. Our work is about inspiring people to chase every dream that they have, to overlook the naysayers, to, to step over the obstacles that may come in their lives. And so we do that through motivational speaking, mm -hmm. talking to our young people uh, about living their best lives and about leadership. Uh, we do that through community engagement and creating conversations um, around popular culture and the arts and how we weave that into social issues as well. We do that through um, lectures about social justice issues, environmental justice, criminal justice, uh, educational equity, racial equity, and so forth. Um, but we also do it through media platforms. Um, we do it through our podcast, Thank You For Your Leadership podcast, and um, other platforms that we will take into 2018 as well to just touch people and give people information to live their best lives and understand that there's no fear. You have full responsibility of your destiny you got to wake up every day obsessed and committed uh, to carrying those things out. So thank you for your leadership. T-Y-4-Y-L. We see it everywhere. Everything you do. What is that? Where does that come from? People want to know. <laughs> uh, so people, 
people have asked me this year, what does TY4YL mean? And these are folks who have uh, continued to listen to the podcast, and thank you to those who... And we all put it, we hashtag it, we know it's associated with you. It means thank you for your leadership. And so that came about when I was executive vice president for the Student Government Association at Texas Southern University. And I would work with my team and I wanted to find ways to continually inspire them. And words mean so much. And you see people who are leaders and they think that cursing out their team is important. They think that being loud or berating their team. And I just, I wasn't a fan of that. And I wanted to always be positive. And we would drop quotes to the team. And when the team would do great things, I would just simply tell them, hey, thank you for your leadership. If that's just mm -hmm. going to get coffee, if that is uh, uh, writing a quick memo, if that is finishing whatever task, I'm so thankful. And I really appreciate you. And I want you to understand that. I want you to know that, that you're being a leader, even with the small things. Do you yeah. think that that um, had an effect on your team? Um, I, I think it really did. I think, I mean, I've been blessed to lead some of the greatest teams um, that ever walked this earth. And so I, I and we've uh, produced great, great, great results. And so I think it had a great impact on that team. And I think it, it it's a product of what has happened with the podcast and why it's taking off. Because people understand that we live that. We mean that. That's not something I just came up with out of the blue. It's something that I really live and I really mean. And it's touched people. And so I think that's why it's been able to resonate um, with people. So thank you for your leadership means a lot and people can employ that with their teams and their lives. And mm -hmm. I think it's been incredible. So the podcast, where did that book come from? I know uh, <laughs> you, you wanted to put thank you for your leadership on a platform. Right, right, um, right. So you started a podcast right. last year. Tell us about that. Where did, where did that come from? So, so the podcast, thank you for your leadership of the podcast. And, and the way I came up with that podcast is, Hey, we, we, we I tell people all the time, adapt or die. Young people are, are not sitting in the cars listening to AM radio, talk radio. And I grew up listening to talk radio, thankful for my dad, Bruce Williams, um, and others, Dave Ramsey and others. And that's how I got a, a book for radio. And I'll go back and tell you how I started with that. But I wanted to make sure we're, we're being current and we're staying in the latest trend. So podcasting was a thing. So I said, hey, let me delve into this podcasting piece that can be very um, mobile that people can listen to on the, uh, on their phones, going to work, at school, whatever is going on in their life, they can still take this information, this platform, this content, and allow it to bless their lives. And so that's how we wanted to move into that. But the radio bug. So I grew up watching David Letterman uh, every night, and Jay Leno. I watched that war all the time, NBC, okay? Uh, my dad was a cable man, so he blocked off some of the F F the rated, X-rated channels. Mm -hmm. Thank God. So I had Parental control. I had to watch the good <laughs> stuff. And so I was watching David Letterman, and I was really fascinated by their ability to sit down and interview people and they, to, to have fun, and they could say whatever they wanted to. It was the David Letterman show. It was the Jay Leno show. And I always wanted the Damien Thaddeus Jones show of some sort. You know, I thought it was an incredible thing. And so... Um, I embodied that and I told myself I want my own show one day and so I got to the campus of Texas Southern University and, and things began to go well with me and there was an opportunity to host a radio show that was called A Closer Look and its host, its initial host was leaving to do uh, other things with his career 
and I saw the opportunity. And so I sat down with the general manager of the station at the time of uh, KTSU in Houston, Donna Franklin. And I sit here today and I, and I, I owe a lot to Donna because Donna gave me a chance and an opportunity. And I sat down with her and I said, Donna, I hear there's an opening at the show. I would love to interview and talk to you about it. And we sat down and talked. She said, she said, why do you want to do it? We talked five minutes later. She said, stop. You got, you got the spot. It's your show. And so ever since that opportunity that Donna gave me and put me on the show, thrust me out there and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but she taught me a lot and we figured it out and we had a very great run thanks to a great producer, uh, Krishanda as well. And so that's how that book started in radio. And we did a great show, 100,000 listeners or more every Saturday morning, touching the lives of people uh, in the Houston metro area. And so when was this? When was, when was the radio show? 2013, 2014. Yeah, we did, I mean, my favorite interview from that time frame was when we, we were able to interview Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. Okay. Um, it was just one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And that moment, that time frame allowed me to know that I'm, I'm working, I'm doing the things that I want to do. I'm, I'm working in a dream space. And it was a dream for me uh, to be able to do that. And so that bug, that inspiration carried me over to continue to do the podcasting bug as well. So it's kind of cute. In 2017, you came back to do something you love. Radio is yep. where it started. Yep. So 2017, you said, I want to start my podcast. Anybody help you with that? Like, what? Well, just tell us, what did 2017 look like for you? Fast forward to that time and some of sure. those accomplishments. Sure, sure, sure. So, gosh, um, 2017 was a blessing. So I'll tell you, 2016 was a year of reflection for me. Okay. Um, sometimes you just got to sit back and reflect on some things, uh, reflect on some happenings, reflect on relationships, re reflect on um, how you can get better as an individual and as a person. And so 2016, I, I saw as an opportunity to just evaluate. You know, the unexamined life is not worth living. So I wanted to examine some things and see what I could do better. And on my, on my, on my telephone, still to this day, my screensaver and lock, and lock picture are Michael Jordan in, in the 45 jersey. And what's the mayor of D.C.? The black mayor of D.C.? Marion Barry. Marion Barry, yeah. <laughs> Marion Barry. On your lock screen? Yeah, they're on my phone. And I put them there for a reason, to motivate me. So what does know, that mean? What, look, is, what is uh, Michael Jordan in the 45 jersey? So when Michael Jordan retired, and he went and played baseball okay. for a year or so, and he came back, and I never forget, I never forget the day as a kid, March 19th, I uh, forgot what year it was, 1995. It was one of the greatest days of my life when Mike decided to come back and he played against the Indiana Pacers. He had about 19.6 rebounds, three steals, three assists, something like that. And he came back and claimed his crown and continued to win championships. And that was inspiring to me. So you see, when you see Michael Jordan wearing the 45 jersey, that means comeback. Marion Barry experienced some adversity as mayor of DC. And he served his time in jail and he came back. Mm -hmm. Got on council, 
and he put in the work and he became mayor of DC again after dealing with the adversity that he dealt with. So I, I looked at my life and said, if Michael Jordan can leave basketball and go play baseball for a year and then come back and still stay on top, if Marion Barry can go through what he went through and still come back and be the mayor of DC and still considered the greatest mayor they've seen here, then by golly, I can make a comeback and I can evaluate some things and get better and better and better and take control of my life and really, really live in purpose. And that really inspired me. So in 2017, I was obsessed mm -hmm. and hell-bent about knocking out some goals, inspiring people, and living in purpose. And so we created the podcast. I sat on that idea for a few months. I was like, eh, should I do it? Should I do it? What will people think? Will it be good? Will it be good? And one day I said, hey, we just got to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we did the podcast. And we put out 23 episodes thousands of listeners. We've hit 23 countries with this podcast, uh, thousands and thousands of American cities. I can't tell you the feedback that we get each and every week about how we're touching people's lives. We've been able to interview some of the, the best change makers and politicos and, and, and leaders in this country. Um, and so it's been an extreme blessing, but had we never started it, we wouldn't have touched those lives. Uh, we've been able in 2017, we keynoted six um, conferences, keynote speeches, touching about 5,000 people. And that's been an extreme blessing. And we, when, each time we go, when we talk about service, we talk about living in, an intense life. We talk about integrity. Um, we talk about just helping people and inspiring people and living your best life. Um, we were able to start our own consultant firm, Dame, Dad, and Co., uh, where we, which is a firm that is committed to empowering the next generation of, of leaders in America with the tools that it takes to change and, 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 and turn around our communities and the things that are happening in our communities. So that's been an extreme blessing as well. Um, we created a panel series called Cough Talk. Well, we have so many conversations around America about political issues, which is incredible, which is important. But at the same time, how can we weave the arts and music and popular culture into these conversations to attract the urban professional, the millennial, into those conversations so they won't get uh, tuned out and so they won't lose sight of what's happening. So that was incredible as well. Um, we did a lot. We did a lot. We did a lot in 2017. So, I mean, I'm so happy, thankful for the team that, is, that has helped us and, and been behind us. And so we couldn't have done it without the support of so many. So real quick, I want to go back a little bit to the comeback. You talked about Michael Jordan, um, D.C. Mayor. What's Damien's comeback moment? Is there a single moment where, <laughs> where it was like, oh, I failed, but it helped propel you to where you are now? Um, before I get to the comeback moment, there was a moment <laughs> when I first got to D.C. So when I first came to D.C., I was a program coordinator for the um, Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, running the Leadership Institute, which was, which was uh, my dream job at that time. We were able to inspire uh, a lot of young people who, who I still stay in contact with today who are doing incredible, incredible, incredible things. And I often cry when I think about their success. Um, but when you come to a new city like D.C., it is for political is the epitome of where you want to be as a professional. The bright lights, you got to perform here and you get here, and you understand that you got to compete each and every day because everybody comes here with the attitude 
to achieve their dreams. And if you're not bringing your best, you're going to fall by the wayside really quickly. And so I understood that, but I'm a competitor. I want to compete. Let's do it. Right. And I was in a board meeting for the foundation and I had to present, give a presentation about the leadership program and what the next year looked like. And I was nervous. I made my notes and we get into this boardroom and all these top executives from all over the country in this room. There's about 60 people sitting before the CEO and others. And I'm just this little boy from Jackson, Mississippi with these wide-eyed ideas. And I was like, what's going to happen? And so I began to present and I kept water beside me and I was drinking my water to calm myself down. I began to present and about one minute in, my nerves calmed and my training kicked in. You know, and then I got into my mode and I killed the presentation. And I walked I walked out of that building with probably the most confidence I've had in my life. And I and because I was like, okay, my skills translated to Houston, but I didn't know it was gonna translate to DC. And after that moment I knew I could handle DC. And so the comeback moment. Talk about a failure. I mean, we we've all failed. We we have moments where we're like, you know, geez, I don't know what to do next, but yeah. somehow we make it through and, and we're here today. It's 2018, so well, tell us about a moment where you feel like you failed. I tell people all the time, failure is not final. We, mm-hmm. we all fail, we all fall short. At some point, one of my favorite books is written by Tavis Smiley called Fail Up, when he talked about the 20 failures in his life that he used as a to propel him to a higher uh, level of success, right? Because we can learn from our failures. We can evaluate, we can, we can allow it to bring us down or we could learn from it and, and, and do better. So I think for me, I and mean, I've had many failures in my life, but when I was in college and uh, I was really engulfed in student government, I was freshman senator, buildings and ground senator, we did a lot of great work. And I decided to run for SGA president, which was the goal of mine. And we built a great team, the Ambition team, um, and we had a great platform about helping folk and uh, really felt like we had a really good chance to win. And along the way, some of the power got to my head and some of the some of some of uh, just the, the, the fact of that, that goal is so attainable and it kind of got to my head and I began to make some poor decisions. And long story short, I got disqualified from running and that crushed me that because that was the only goal I wanted and that crushed me so bad and I was and, and my mentor had to give me the news and disqualify me and I respect him so much for making that decision Dean Saunders and but it taught me a lot and I had to go before my team and let them know what happened and the mistake that I made and I cried in that moment and they were so supportive but that moment taught me that your talent will get you to certain places. Your talent will get you to um, certain rooms, but it is your character that will keep you there. Right. It is the things that you do behind closed doors. It is the decisions that you make. It's the level of integrity that you display and, and practice that will keep you in those rooms. And so I took that moment and it crushed me, but from that moment, from the things that I learned, I was able to to get an internship after that, and and, and it really humbled me mm-hmm. a great deal. So that really helped me become the person that I am 
and to try to be um, to be humble because God gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us situations. He gives us blessings. And it is incumbent upon us to take those gifts, blessings, talents to bless others and not to uplift ourselves. Absolutely. So in the spirit of reflection and, mm -hmm. and as we move into a new year, tell us one of the biggest lessons you've learned about yourself. You know, I just got to be honest about this. I'm a maniac. I'm a maniac. And I think for years I, I battled with being a maniac because sometimes when you're kind of high strung and you just want to achieve and you want to get things right and you have this high motor, sometimes it can turn other people off in a way. And I battled with that. Because, you know, sometimes some people kind of tone themselves down to accommodate others. But I'm like, I can't do it no more. And others shouldn't do it. And so in 2017, I just really embraced being a maniac. A, ma a maniac about success. A maniac about serving people. I'm obsessed with creating great art. Creating great content. A maniac about inspiring people. And a maniac is just about executing and getting stuff done. That's just what I do. Where does the motivation behind that come from? Who motivates Dame Thad? First and foremost, my motivation comes from God. Uh, again, you know, been blessed with incredible talent, been blessed with incredible opportunities. And so to whom much is given, much is required. And so I'm motivated to make sure I'm living up to that um, and making sure our work is doing what we can to 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 expand the kingdom. Number two, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated by my nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. You know, every, and I tell people this all the time, everything I do is to create a, a, a legacy for them so they can see great examples, right? Um, I, I don't get to spend the time with them that, that I'd like to, but every when I drop a video, when I do any kind of content podcast, I tell my brothers, Hey, make sure they see this picture. Make sure they're seeing this video. I want them to see their uncle and what they can achieve. They can do more than basketball. They can do more than football. Um, they can really get out here and really, really touch and inspire people. So um, it's, that motivates me. I'm motivated by the fact that, like I said, my father was born to a sharecropping family in 1957. That was about 50 years ago. And so I'm not, not far removed from that. So I want to make sure my kids um, aren't born into situations like that. They aren't born into poverty, you know. Um, I'm motivated by my parents as they continue to work hard. My dad's going to retire in a couple of years. My mom continues to inspire and, and to help people. Uh, I'm inspired by my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm su surrounded by incredible people uh, who are committed to doing great work and to move the culture forward, to move this country forward and to be leaders. I mean, I, I can't tell you the conversations that we have every day, the text messages that I get from people, the encouragement that I get from people. I'm, I'm motivated by fighters. I'm motivated by the people who see what's happening in this country and see what, uh, where our administration is going and they say, I'm not going to take this on the chin. We're going to fight each and every day because it's the right thing to do. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm motivated by that. And so I want to be in, in that number uh, each and every day. So 
I'm motivated by so many different things, <laughs> but also I watch a lot of videos. A lot. I watch a lot of pastors motivated by uh, those words. Frank Ray, Tellus Chapman, Mark Walker, uh, Rap Douglas West, a whole host of others. I watch Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, which is another great guy that, that motivates me. Les Brown, Grant Cardone. Y'all watch Grant Cardone. You would think he's, he's crazy. A maniac. But, but he's a maniac, and that resonates with me. And so like, we, we, we don't know when, when, when our last day is. I don't know. I have no idea. I may walk out of here and get run over by Uber when we leave out of this building, right? But I want to make sure that I did the best that I can to help somebody and to do quality work and to give it my best each and every opportunity that I can. So I'm maniacal about being the best, about helping people, uh, and about serving people. And so in 2017, I learned to embrace that and to be un unapologetic about it. Right, absolutely. Uh, your birthday's coming up. Yes. Beginning of 2018. Capricorns rule the world. Uh, what are you looking forward to And for 33? You'll be 33 this year. What, what are you looking forward to for 33? <laughs> A friend of mine texted me the other day. He's turning 33 as well this year. And he said, man, it's no coincidence that we both are entering our Jesus year. <laughs> you know, Jesus um, hung on the cross when he was 33. And so people like to associate that. And so for me, 33 means a lot. 33 means that this, this, this kid from Jackson, Mississippi made it out. You know, um, coming from where, where we come from, which is an incredible place, but there are a lot of us that don't make it out. There are a lot of us that are in jail. There are a lot of us that, that get unfortunately caught up in uh, certain situations and our lives go in different directions. And so for me, it means 33. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. But now that I'm here, we got work to do. And so I, I look forward to continuing to help people, look forward to the book that we're going to <coughs> Um, released this year. I look forward to a uh, Facebook Live show that we're going to drop uh, this year and continue to, to help more people and to spread more information uh, and to collaborate with other people. I'm looking forward to more cloth talk and more mm -hmm. of those discussions as well. I'm looking, looking forward to more speeches all across this country. Um, just looking forward to the blessings that, that, that God has in store for us and, and, and for the you've achieved some incredible incredible things what advice would you give your 23 year old self ah great question 10 years later we're here it's turning 33 this month what advice would you give damien so 23 year old self i would say get in school earlier I didn't start school until I didn't start college until I was 26. So go to school earlier. Um, I would say read more. I read a lot then, but I'll read more. I think the biggest mistake I, I made when I was 23, I didn't listen to my parents. I didn't listen to my, I didn't listen to, I didn't value the, the advice of elders. I thought I knew everything at that point. And so I would say 
sit down and just absorb the sage advice that you can get from those who've just been on the earth longer than you. And just and, and, and value that and ask questions. And write down your goals. And I'll also say that to 23, write down your goals and then you'll know what direction you're trying to go in. I think at, at 23, man, I was just living. Be deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just living. I, I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> you know. Um, but thank God, we, we he kept his hands all over us and, and, and we figured it out. So what would you like for young people to get out of the work that you do? Younger generations, people who are 23, 24, maybe younger, young adults, um, what would you like for them to take from your work? Number one, it's not about you. It's about future generations. Every decision that you make, everything that you do, every picture that you post, every video that you make, every text that you send, um, every word that you speak is watched by someone. You're being admired by somebody and you have a platform and you should take it serious. So it's not about you. It's about what you can do for others. Um, my first political internship was with uh, the second African-American police chief of the city of Houston, Clarence C.O. Bradford. Chief, and Chief Bradford sat down with me many days and we had great conversations. But the greatest thing he taught me was at the end of the day, when you leave this earth, the question will be, what have you done to help and serve others? And so I, I carry that with me. And so I'll, I'll tell the young people from our work, it's about helping and serving and inspiring others and, and helping people to achieve their dreams and get where they want to be. Because the more you pour in the people, you'll get it back right. 25 times. Right. You know, people focus so much on themselves. I, one thing that kills me about DC, people say, oh, I'm looking for a mentor. I want a mentor. Can you mentor me? Cool. Who are you mentoring? Who have you sat down with? What young person have you took time with, spent time with, or have a phone call with, or have coffee with, or whatever, or send an encouraging message, or a text message, or just post on Facebook encouraging somebody? Who have you done that with? We're looking for certain things, but we, we're unwilling to give it back to people. So I'll say it's about others. It's about serving others. People are suffering in this country. Women are de dealing with domestic violence. People are, are, are dying from asthma. And others, we just saw what happened with Erica Garner. Um, activists are, are, are falling and, and, and their health uh, is falling short because the resistance is, is, is so crazy. And we have to fight. There's so much happening in this country. Our schools are decrepit. Housing is, is poor. And so there's so much work to do. And so I'll say, to, I'll say to young people from this work, find your lane, find your niche, find your passion, find your purpose, lose yourself in helping others. And that's how you find yourself and find what you want to do. Absolutely. And, and, that, and that's what happened for me. So what do you get out of the work? Live your best life. Live your truth. That's important. Help others. Leave a legacy. Drink a lot of water. What kind of water? Aqua Hydrate <laughs> by, by, by Diddy. And eat a lot of kale smoothies. Thank you, Rodney Ellis. Eat a lot of kale smoothies uh, as well. So that's what I hope folk can, can get from the work. Absolutely. So what's next? 
2018, what can we look forward to? Like, like, like we said, book coming out in 2018. Thank God. It's one of my goals of all my life. I want to be an author. So we're, we're a podcast host. Thank God. Check that off. Radio host. Check that off. A Dame Thad show coming to Facebook soon. Check that off. Author. Check that off. Um, great son. Great uncle. Try to be a good friend. Check all those things off. Servant. I don't know. Well, y'all let me know at my funeral. Let me say this, this, this last thing. I have this weird theory, and I've shared this with a few people, that I want my funeral to be packed. People think I'm crazy by saying this, but I want my funeral to be packed. And when you go to a person's funeral, you go because they meant something to you, or they've impacted your life in some type of way. Uh, or they, they've, had, they've had some type of influence on you and you pay your last respects. And so for me, the work that I do on this earth, I feel will show at my funeral. And so if we do good work from womb to tomb, oh God, I hope I hope that, that funeral is, is packed to the rafters and I hope folks have a, a jolly good time and, and, and sing Zion songs. But the work that we do every day in a crazy way. It's because I want my funeral to be packed and I want a lot of people in that room to say I helped them, I impacted them, and I used the gifts and my time on this earth uh, to help other people get to where they need to be. Well, Damien Thaddeus, thank you for your leadership. Hey, well, thank you for your leadership and, and thank you for, for sitting down and doing you did a great job. Your, your first interview. My very first interview. Yeah, I, I won't compare you to Oprah because we know you're going to be better than Oprah. <laughs> Uh, at this thing, but uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for your support. And uh, you. this is incredible. Incredible 2018 coming up for us. It's going to be crazy. Absolutely. Be crazy.